Okay, there we go. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. I love the idea of this. In Melbourne, they've just opened up a George Costanza of Seinfeld-themed bar. The co-owner's on the phone, Dave Barrett. I hope people walk around George's bar going, believe the lie. All good lines. And everyone must like me. I must be liked. Yep, that one's on the front door. How'd you come up with the idea? We came up with the name George's and then we tried to work out some ways to uh, market the new bar and we'd be fans of the show and tied in some George Costanza stuff with the marketing and then, yeah, it's obviously taken off. Have you got a little Superman hidden somewhere around the place that you'll move every day? Uh, I haven't at the moment, but yeah, we're just adding more and more things to the bar all the time. And I hope there's a place where you can lick envelopes as well. Yeah, you can do that in any of the booths. <laughs> So what other kinds of things can you get? What's on the menu? What kind of cocktails? So with cocktails, we've got the Marissa Tomei, the hand model, the velvet cape, the Angry George, and the Summer of George. Yeah. So the Summer of George is our specialty, which is basically we're making fresh apple juice there, um, and we do that to order, and you can get any basic spirit with that. Then food-wise, we've got the Art Vandalay toasted sandwich, the Mum and Pops, the New Yorker, the Costanza, and the Quitter. And have you got a desk where you can lie under and have a sleep? Uh, you could probably lay under a booth and have a sleep if you needed to. You'd Brilliant. Be nice and <laughs> you just imagine the kind of clients that you've got in there. After a while, you might even get to the stage where you go, OK, enough quoting from the sitcom now. This is true. I'm pretty sure most of our customers are unemployed to be with their parents. So. <laughs> exactly. So where is it? It's at 120 Johnson Street, Fitzroy. I'll pop in and I'll see you. Because I like Fantastic. to have a coffee, that's why. <laughs> George's Bar in Melbourne, named after George Costanza from Seinfeld. It'd have to be one of the greatest sitcoms of all time, wouldn't it, surely? Somebody the, uh, argued with me the other day that Friends was bigger and better. A sitcom with better-based developed characters than Seinfeld. Are you kidding me? Joey versus Kramer? And somebody else said, what about the Big Bang Theory? Oh, you couldn't be even in the same league. My dad always said, MASH is the greatest sitcom ever. What do you reckon? One triple three five three. Is there, in fact, a better sitcom than Seinfeld? And if anybody says, hey, Dad, I'm hanging up on them. Simon, is this about the best sitcom ever then? I was just thinking of, um, you know, maybe uh, some, some Australian sitcoms, you know? Well, Cop um, Shop, Skyways, Prisoner? Yeah, well, the one that comes to mind, but it's painted now, you know, it's painted, and that was Hey Dad. Hey I knew Dad. you were going to say, I knew someone out there would say Hey Dad. Yes. Do you know what I love? The latest character on, I think it's Home and Away, I'm not sure, but her name is Xanthi. Because nothing says Australia like Xanthi, right? <laughs> Except, of course, Brax. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> the other thing is, nothing says Australia like watching the Sydney to Hobart. I mean, a whole bunch of millionaires playing with their toys on New Year's Day. And you ain't going to be able to go out on that boat because you can't afford it. But it's so Australian. However, if you watch the Irish commentary of the last Olympic Games when they were doing the sailing, it's fantastic. Because you could just tell the guy that was doing the commentary had absolutely no idea what sailing was all about. Yeah, there you can hear the, uh, the Olympic horn being sounded. Alicia Sebrian Martinez de Lagos from Espanol. And she's on 26 points. Head of Norway and Portugal. Um, quick look at the stats. We've got length 4.23. We have a beam of 1.37. It's controversial. 
Uh, sail area of 5.76 meters squared and a total boat weight of 74 kags. <laughs> there you have it. Um, New Zealand, Netherlands there, Brazil, Denmark, Australian flag. Well, I can't see them. You'd hear them before you'd see them. Belarus. There. Not so good on the water, it seems. Very windy. There's Ireland in the background. The Dutch as well. As we reach the last minute and, yeah, there is the Olympic horn again. I'm not familiar with the strategy or tactics in sailing, <laughs> but come here, it's very, very exciting. We've 15 seconds left. Somebody has to win this. It's neck and neck. Someone has to win before the clock runs out. Come on! Brilliant Irish commentary of the sailing during the Olympics. No controversy over that commentary. So Gazzo is here with the goss. We're still pretty cut up and upset about the death of Lemmy Kilmeister from Motorhead. I know. Did you see my picture with Lemmy? No, Taken I didn't. in 2002 in London. No, I didn't. Send it I to me again. I met the man. I'll send it to you. Now the band uh, apparently are going to call it quits. Yeah, that's it. Basically, the drummer, Mickey D, just says the group's now officially over. And I mean, why would you continue? Why would you? I mean, it, Lemmy was Motorhead's sole original member anyway. Yeah. And the only, you know, identifiable member of the band. Uh, but look, they will live on in the memories of many. Sure. I replayed a bit of the Motorhead chat I had a couple of years ago last night. What you hear is really what we felt at that moment, and, and then we try to catch that moment, you know? The funny thing about uh, Motorhead is the fact that you're, you know, admired by not just metal fans, but punk fans as well. You never see, you know, like those two groups of people ever sort of agreeing on a band. No, that's true, and, and that's great, you know? With people, while well, you have a lot of different uh, categories of, of uh, folks out there in the crowd, you know? It, it's kind of uh, nice in a way, because you, you do get little bit more recognition and, and approval, if you will, of, of the stuff that you do, because it's quite frustrating sometimes to keep writing and touring. I'll tell you what else I like is the uh, Stone Death Forever 5-CD box set, and what I like mm. about that are the liner notes that are in there, because I wasn't aware that um, Lemmy was once the uh, roadie for Jimi Hendrix. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Super long, but he was, yes. Dave Grohl paid tribute to Lemmy by getting uh, a couple of lyrics tattooed on his arm as well. Which song? Was it Ace of Spades? No, it wasn't Ace of Spades. Oh, right. It was another song. I was going to say, in that case, he's got a card up his sleeve. <laughs> Next hour, ACDC beat Nickelback, Foo Fighters and more best-selling hard rock albums of last year. Great. We'll have to look through that list as well, see if there's new albums we need to look up. Uh, in just a sec, we'll put it to the test. The theory that if you ring a wrong number, it always answers. Why is that? And We'll try and see if it actually does happen. This is the Rubber Room on Triple M. One of the big gigs we're looking forward to in 2016 is Black Sabbath and the return to Australia for the last time of Ozzy Osbourne. I remember when it, the very first time we played in Australia, we had ACDC supporting us. I wouldn't support their f***ing crew, no mind. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're f***ing the biggest band in the world now. It's f***ing great, and they're brothers, you know. They've always treated me with the greatest amount of respect. They're the f***ing heroes. And do you hear much of Black Sabbath in a lot of the newer bands that are coming through now? Some of them are considered a tinge, but some of them are like, I mean, these death metal, gothic metal, all these different metals. Yeah. I mean, some of it's thrash metal, f***ing... It's, it's just some of it, for me, I don't get so angry people, but maybe we were angry, maybe they took me anger. For our time, we were an angry band, I suppose. Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne in the rubber room with Ugly Phil. I'm going to come down there and bite his f***ing head off. 
it's the rubber room on Triple M. Looking forward to Black Sabbath in Australia in 2016 for the last time. I love this story about this astronaut that was floating around above Earth in the International Space Station, about 250 miles above Earth, at Christmas. And he was trying to call from the International Space Station back to Earth. But he, and he rang up and he, the phone answered and he goes, Hello, is this planet Earth? But instead of ringing whoever he was trying to ring, which I presume was NASA or someone, he just rang a wrong number. And the woman at the other end said, I'm sorry? He goes, Hello, is this planet Earth? And eventually had to apologise for getting the wrong phone number. But isn't that always the case? Have you ever noticed this? That if you dial the wrong number for some inexplicable reason, it always answers. Yeah, hello, mate. Yeah, I popped in there um, earlier on this afternoon to get one of the love dolls. They don't appear to come with a lubricating kit. Was that something that I would have to buy additionally to that? Sorry, what, which, what did you come in for? The love doll. Amy, the love doll. Um, the new one. The, uh, the one from Thailand? Are you the gentleman okay, sorry, I spoke I with? I you've got the wrong number, mate. I'm sorry, mate. This isn't Club X? No, sorry. That's, that's not Ricky? No. Oh. Okay, thanks, mate. Thanks, bye. So you know how Sydney's got the Joan Sutherland Theatre in Brisbane, they've got the Go-Betweens Bridge, which is a strange little bridge, incidentally, too. You have to pay a toll to go about 500 yards, and you're still in Brisbane at the end of it. But anyway, this guy in Canberra, the ACT planning minister, Mick Gentleman, is in fact a gentleman, because he wants to name all the streets in Montcrieff in northern Canberra after the who's who of Australian creme de la creme iconic musicians. Although some of the people he's chosen are still in the last 70 years. Uh, the Bee Gees, Olivia Newton-John. You'd have to have roller skates to get down there, wouldn't you? Slim Dusty as well. And he also wants to get something like maybe, I don't know, a Bon Scott Crescent or an Amphlet Avenue. I'd like to see him coming up with perhaps some names of iconic Australian song titles for the names of the streets. Because I would love to go and spend some time on I Touch Myself Lane or Pleasure and Pain Avenue. Can you think of any more? What would be the most inappropriate Australian song title for a street? So with this idea that this ACT planning minister's got about naming Australian streets in uh, Moncrief, I think it's how you say it, in Canberra, not that I ever want to go there, I thought, what about the idea of coming up with some inappropriate Australian song titles, or any song title for that matter, for the streets around Moncrief in Canberra? How are you, Rob? Good night, yourself. What have you got? Oh, how about Give Me Head Crescent? <laughs> No, I didn't even think about that radiator song. <laughs> Someone had to do it, right? Absolutely. Does anybody else find this whole response to the Chris Gale controversy slightly disproportionate to the actual story? I mean, Christ, is it a slow news day or what? Here's some of my favourite sports press conferences of the last 12 months, though. Like this NBL player. This isn't edited. This was an answer to a question. Like, um, I just, like, um, I was, like, um, I was, like, um, like, um, I was, um, like, um, um, like, um, I was on um, just on, um, like, um, I, I, I was just reading, right? I was on um, just on um, reading on um, my man or whatever. He had on um, through the ball to um, my man, and the ball had on um, bounced up in the air, and I had on um, caught it and had on um, picked it out there. The second one was a cover two, and you drive back? Yes, sir. Like um, I just been working hard and um, just um, been praying and stuff, and it's um, and it's um, coming to me. Like um, I was like um, I, like um, I like um, like um, I was a seven round pick, so like um, so like um, I was just working hard in the off season and um, just um, trying to um, make the team and stuff. Were y'all kind of disappointed you were a seven? No, sir. Like um, like um, I was like um, I was hearing calls from teams and stuff, but like I, but like um. I went on, um, but like, um, I went on um, re- really mad or nothing though. <laughs>
But you do have beautiful eyes, baby. Would you like to have a coffee? And here's one more for you. Another one of my favourite moments of press conferences from the last 12 months. This is fantastic. Our equipment guys do a great job of breaking the balls in. They also know that how I like the balls. I don't want anyone touching the balls after that. <laughs> I don't want anyone rubbing them. I don't think anybody knew there was an issue with the balls. You know, really, till Monday morning, I had no idea what happened with the balls. Thing, I'm not squeezing the balls. I think there's a lot of variables with, obviously, Mother Nature and with the balls. Some guys like them round and some guys like them thin some guys like them tacky some guys like them brand new some guys like old balls i mean they're all different so maybe if this channel 10 reporter had actually commented on the guys mel mclaughlin on the guys balls maybe the whole thing would have been completely turned around Gazzo's here you know acdc's rock or bus was one of the biggest selling albums of last year yeah and so it should too at least they beat nickelback foo fighters and breaking benjamin to become the biggest selling hard rock album of last year i haven't heard of a few of these albums so you i'll run a mm. couple past you and you can tell me mm. if you know them. i know mm. five finger death punch although mm. i haven't heard the album mm. breaking benjamin who were at number four with dark no. before dawn never heard of them? that's a new one too no. in this moment you heard of them I haven't, no. no. Black Widow was their album. Hailstorm I've heard of, but I haven't heard Into the Wildlife. Yeah, and I haven't heard Red either. No, A Beauty and Rage. There you go. Breaking Benjamin from Dark mm. Before Dawn, the number four album best-selling hard rock album of 2015. Mm. Hey, I've noticed there's been more than the usual spate of UFO sightings over the last couple of weeks. We'll discuss that in a sec on Triple M. Hey, Hillary Clinton, who's running for the president of the USA, said that if she gets elected, she's going to open up the UFO files and find out what happened in Roswell. And then she turned around and said, no, I'm only kidding, which is a shame because I would like to have seen that. I wonder how much access the president actually has of the United States to things like the UFO files. Do you know what? That's a question for the UFO Society. She had to laugh last night when I was reading the news to find out what was going on in the world. Uh, may I recommend you don't do that, incidentally. And I found that uh, Hillary Clinton said if she becomes UFO, if she becomes president, rather, she will reveal the truth of uh, the UFOs and, in fact, will go in and find out whatever evidence she can about Area 51 and disclose the truth about that as well. Turns out she was only joking. She's got a thing that Donald Trump would say. I thought that was brilliant, though. But then I got to thinking whether or not, as a US president, would her security level be high enough to actually allow her to see the classified spooky files. And i got Doug Moffat on the phone, who's the UFO Research New South Wales rep. Mate, do you think that's true? Do you think the uh, US president would have access to stuff like that? The story goes that Jimmy Carter, when he was president, who had seen a UFO himself while on merchant marine duty, asked George Bush Sr., who was the head of the CIA at the time, to give him all the information on UFOs. And apparently George Bush Sr. said, Mr. President, you don't have clearance. Wow. So I'm inclined to think that something like a CIA bureaucracy works in much the same way as a military system where people are sworn to secrecy and there is a chain of command and all that sort of thing. This doesn't apply to elected officials, so therefore they are a bit of a loose cannon when it comes to getting information that perhaps they don't want to, yes. to be released. <laughs> I wonder whether or not George Bush Sr., as former head of the CIA, had more access to this kind of information than he would have had as a president. He probably would know, obviously, of the information, but even as the head of the CIA, their need-to-know basis still applies. According to Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, John Podesta, he said that yeah. the American people can handle the truth. Again, there's no truth in the fact that they are going to release these files. Now, with 77% of Americans believing there is evidence that aliens have visited Earth, do you think that 
Americans and perhaps the rest of the world could handle the truth. You know, whenever UFO stories come on the news, they're still... Sensationalised. Yeah, sensationalised yeah. and, you know, usually with an icon of a little green man behind them. But, you know, yeah. as more and more people are starting to believe this. But do you think they can actually absorb well, this if it turns uh, out to be true? Hollywood does not help the situation because normally, I mean, apart from E.T. and maybe Close Encounters, any Hollywood movie to do with E.T.'s is like Independence Day or uh, Aliens or something like yeah. that. It's a bad news story, which scares people about this sort of thing, you know. So, I mean, I think there's a degree of that. I, I think the whole UFO thing when it comes to the establishment is regarded as somewhat of a Pandora's box. The safest thing to do with a Pandora's box is not open it, if you're unsure of what the effect of opening the box is going to have. So further to Hillary Clinton's joke that she'll reveal the truth about UFOs when she's present, because I would love, I would have been, I'd have liked somebody for that, wouldn't you? i got Doug on the phone. Doug uh, Moffat is the guy from the UFO Research New South Wales. And I guess with all the research that you've been doing as well, I've noticed lately, Doug, that there have been this sort of spate of UFO sightings. It's a couple of really good ones in South America as well. More than usual, do you think? I think there's two things here. I mean, I always talk about the amount of sightings as being different to the amount of reports. Research has shown that only one in ten sightings ever get reported. And of the one in ten that ever get reported, 85% go to non-UFO organisations like the Bureau of Meteorology, uh, Department of Defence, radio, TV, newspapers, which don't get recorded. So if we say, oh, well, there's 1,200 UFO reports in Australia per year, if you do the reverse mathematics, there's way more sightings than that happen. And it's a bit like the same with UFO sightings. If the media latch onto them and say, yes, let's publish this, then you hear about them. But there could be huge spikes in other areas, particularly in other areas like, you know, Romania or places like this, where... That news is not translated into English newspapers, so we don't find out about a a huge spike in Romania or a huge spike in Kazakhstan or something like that. There's always UFO stories coming through in the news feed. It's just a question of whether the the media publish them or not, and so we get to find out about them. And the other thing is that people can't verify it unless they've got actual great video footage, and you never actually see great video footage. So I guess a lot of people go, well, no one's going to believe me anyway, so what's the point? UFO Research New South Wales, um, can people contact you to have a chat and, you know, like, tell you about anything they've seen? Yeah, absolutely. Just Google up UFO Research New South Wales and it'll take you straight there. It's got all details. We have monthly meetings from February to November. You know, people are more than welcome to come along. All right, good to talk to you, Doug. Thanks a lot. Now, our U.S. correspondent for the Rubber Room with our news item of the day, it's Biff. A 37-year-old woman in Florida has been accused of tossing a kitchen-grade knife at her 53-year-old boyfriend. The reason behind the alleged dangerous action? He passed gas directly in front of her face. (laughs) Apparently, the couple had been watching TV when the male let one go. Right. Burns was angry, of course, and confronted her beau, who reportedly told her to shut up. The two began arguing, and things soon escalated. Really? Burns reportedly threw an 8-inch knife at her boyfriend's stomach, making contact, which resulted in a small-sized wound. Police soon arrived and charged the lady with aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. Well, there you go. Thank you, Biff. Maybe they can make a TV show out of that. Law and odor. (laughs) Law and odor. You've got to give me that. We may find this a bit disturbing. He held me. Go! Triple M, the rubber room.